Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Good morning, faithful listeners. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend and that you are ready today to read the last chapter of Judges. Judges 21 is what we'll be reading today. And it's not a long chapter, but it is very dense with content. So I'm going to just jump right in today and I'll be reading this out of the W.E.B. version, the entire chapter of Judges 21, and we'll finish up the book of Judges today. I'm kind of sad about that, honestly. I'm a little sad that we're out of Judges already. (laughs) I loved Judges. Honestly, I I told you guys on Friday that I like Judges even more than I initially liked Judges, but I'm even kind of sad that we're... (laughs) (laughs) that were ending Judges. It was just such a great experience for me personally to uh, go through Judges and read commentaries on it and really do like a deep dive into it. It's been a lot of fun. But all right, let's read Judges chapter 21, 1 through 25. And as always, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. Now the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah saying, none of us will give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. The people came to Bethel and sat there until evening before God and lifted up their voices and wept severely. They said, Yahweh, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel that there should be one tribe lacking in Israel today? On the next day, the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. The children of Israel said, who is there among all the tribes of Israel who didn't come up in the assembly to Yahweh? For they made a great oath concerning him who didn't come up to Yahweh to Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. The children of Israel grieved for Benjamin, their brother, and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel today. How shall we provide wives for those who remain, since we have sworn by Yahweh that we will not give them out of our daughters to wives? They said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel who didn't come up to Yahweh to Mizpah? Behold, no one came from Jabesh Gilead to the camp to the assembly. For when the people were counted, behold, there were none of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead there. The congregation sent 12,000 of the most valiant men there and commanded them, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, with the women and the little ones. This is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has lain with a man. They found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man by lying with him. And they brought them to the camp to Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. The whole congregation sent and spoke to the children of Benjamin who were in the rock of Rimon and proclaimed peace to them. Benjamin returned at that time and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of all the women of Jabesh Gilead. But there still wasn't enough for them. The people grieved for Benjamin because Yahweh had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, how shall we provide wives for those who remain since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? They said, There must be an inheritance for those who escape from Benjamin, that a tribe not be blotted out from Israel. However, we may not give them wives of our own daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, Cursed is he who gives a wife to Benjamin. They said, Behold, there's a feast of Yahweh from year to year in Shiloh, which is on the north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south of Labona. They commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, 
Go and lie in wait in the vineyards, and see, behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out and dance in the dances, then come out of the vineyards, and each man catch his wife of the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. It shall be, when their fathers or their brothers come to complain to us, that we will say to them, Grant them graciously to us, because we didn't take for each man his wife in battle, neither did you give them to them, otherwise you would now be guilty." The children of Benjamin did so, and took wives for themselves according to their number, of those who danced, whom they carried off. They went and returned to their inheritance, built the cities, and lived in them. The children of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family, and they each went out from there to his own inheritance. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. What a fantastic way the author ended Judges. I mean, that is the perfect ending for the book of Judges. Verse 25, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. I actually got a Bible over the weekend, a brand new Bible. And I never buy Bibles, actually. I only have two. I have my King James Version Bible from when I was like a kid. And I have my NLT Bible that's like a journaling Bible that I use all the time. But I ended up buying this particular Bible over the weekend. It's called the Timeless Truths Bible. And the reason I purchased it is because first it was on sale. (laughs) And secondly, it has commentaries on the margins. So for like almost every page, there's a different commentary from a different author on every page. And I just thought it was kind of cool because I I read commentaries all the time. And so there's like commentaries in here from Spurgeon, Augustine, who else? Um, Cassiodorus, Matthew Henry, like all the famous guys, you know. I decided to see what the commentary was for Judges 21. And it's from Basil the Great. And he lived from AD 330 to 379. So this guy is very old, (laughs) but he wrote something super interesting here regarding Judges chapter 21. So here's what it says. In those days, Israel had no king. Each man did what he considered to be right. The explanation of these words applied also to the present circumstances, incredible and frightening as it may be, is quite truly pertinent when it is understood. For never before has there arisen such discord and quarreling as now among the members of the church in consequence of their turning away from the one great and true God and only king of the universe. People abandon the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and assume authority in dealing with certain questions, making their own private rules and preferring to exercise a leadership in opposition to being led by the Lord." And what I found so interesting about that was that this man, Basil the Great, who lived from A.D. 330 to A.D. 379, thought that the church was in trouble back in those days. Because he says right here, never before has the church been in this much chaos because they have they've totally abandoned God as their king. And I'm like, holy cow, like this is what I think. <laughs> about the church today. And so Basil the Great was uh, thinking that like way, way back in the days. So it's true. It doesn't matter what time period you're in. If you abandon God as your king, chaos is going to ensue. 
And I mean, how true is that here in Judges chapter 21? This is the most chaotic chapter probably of the entire book so far. It's so chaotic. They're they're going from one extreme to the next. They're hating Benjamin, then they're loving Benjamin, then they're killing other people, then they're committing genocide, then they're crying about the genocide, then they're crying out to God because they think God committed the genocide. It's just, it's crazy what's happening here. Then they're like man-stealing at the very end of all of this, making stupid oaths. I mean, how there's so much ridiculous content in this one chapter we read today. Okay, now, of course, a quick backstory, like I said, Benjamin and the rest of Israel, the rest of the 11 tribes of Israel were in civil war with one another. God told the rest of Israel to go up against the tribe of Benjamin because Benjamin had sinned and God's judgment was going to come one way or another. So that's what happens. Gibeah, that corrupt and evil city in the tribe of Benjamin, falls. And that was God's justice. But then after that happens, Israel goes haywire, okay? And then they start destroying every single city and every single person that they can find who's a Benjamite. So they go off the deep end and start committing genocide against the Benjamites. And so what ended up happening was only 600 Benjamite men survived. That's it, out of like everybody. All of their women and children were killed and only these 600 men of the tribe of Benjamin survived this. This is how bad things got. And no, God did not command that. Because if you look at the chapter before, it never says that God said to go commit genocide against the tribes of Benjamin. That was something Israel decided to do on their own because they didn't have God as their king. They were doing whatever they wanted to to do. And they were letting their emotions lead them. And I alluded to that a little bit on Friday's episode. I briefly mentioned how you can't let your emotions guide you because your emotions are extremely fickle. You know, they change with the wind. I actually know people whose emotions truly change with the wind. (laughs) Like one minute it's this and then the next minute it's that. You know, it kind of reminds me of that uh, Shania Twain song, (laughs) Any Man of Mine, where she's talking about what she expects out of the man that she dates or marries or whatever. And there's a part in it that says, If I change my mind a million times, I want to hear him say, yeah, 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 yes, I like it that way. (laughs) I mean, even in that silly song, she's saying how ridiculous the fickleness is, but it's just annoying, you know, when people change their minds 5,000 times in a day, but that is human nature. And we oftentimes let our emotions guide us. And that is the worst possible thing we can do. And so that's why that saying let your heart guide you is is such a bad saying. It's such a bad saying because your heart is always going to lead you astray. Because that's what it says in scripture. It says the heart is deceitful and wicked above everything else. So you don't want your heart that is deceitful and wicked to guide you. But here in Judges 21, that's exactly what these people are doing. You know, the Israelites, they are just letting their hearts guide them. And they're changing their minds a million times And they're expecting everybody to just go along with it. So the first place they go wrong is what we talked about on Friday, where they committed genocide against Benjamin. Never should have happened. The second place they go wrong is right here in Judges chapter 21, verse (laughs) 1. Now the men of Israel swore in Mizpah saying, none of us will give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. 
So not only did they commit genocide, but now they are trying to fully 100% slaughter the tribe of Benjamin through not allowing them to get married and have children. So every single Israelite man basically made a vow that no way are they going to give any of their daughters in marriage to someone who is a Benjamite, any of the surviving Benjamites, which there were only 600 surviving Benjamites at this time. But after a little while, they start to deeply regret this vow that they made. And so they go to Bethel. Remember where the temple was? They're they're going to Bethel and they're offering all these peace offerings and these tributes to God and these sacrifices to God. And they're crying and weeping. And they say to God, why, God, did you allow this to happen to Benjamin? You know, this was our brother that this happened to. Why did you do this to Benjamin? I mean, that is the one thing that just always kills me is a lot of times humans will blame God for the sins of human nature. So, for example, Israel here is is crying about Benjamin because they're angry at themselves. And in order to not feel as bad about themselves, they decide to blame God for it. And that is very common as well. That's a, that's a common human nature thing to do is, is when we often cause our own problems, we blame God for them because we have to face the consequences of the sin that we committed. And we're just like, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to face those consequences. So how dare you, God, expect us to face those consequences? But yeah, that's what Israel is doing here. So they're assembling at Bethel at the temple and they're offering all these peace offerings and these sacrifices and gifts or whatever to Yahweh. So then they go home and they start thinking about this vow that they made. And they actually ended up making two vows at the same time. So they made the vow of no wives for Benjamin. And the second vow they made is that any man who doesn't agree with the vow will be killed. So the elders of Israel at this point in time are thinking, you know, about the vow. And they're like, who didn't show up to make that vow? Because we're going to kill them. And it turns out one city did not show up to make that vow. And it was the city of Gabesh or Jabesh Gilead. Israel decides to slaughter Jabesh Gilead now. So they send valiant, strong men to Jabesh Gilead to kill every single inhabitant of that city. It says in verse 10, the congregation sent 12,000 of the most valiant men there and commanded them saying, go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, with the women and the little ones. This is what you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has lain with a man. And so they kill everybody, even children. But they saved the virgins alive. And so they take the 400 virgins that they find out of that city after slaughtering their parents. They take them and decide to give them to the remaining survivors of Benjamin as wives. So they call up the survivors of Benjamin who were hiding out at this place called Ramon, the Rock of Ramon. And they're like, we're going to make peace with you guys. And so here's your wives. And so they hand them the 400 virgins that they got out of war. And here's me, like when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, did no one think that this was a bad idea? Or did everybody just go along with it because it was part of the culture? It was popular to do. But I do wonder, you know, Phineas was the high priest at this time period. Why didn't he say anything about this? It's just a thought. 
So Benjamin takes their 400 virgin wives, but there was still 200 men left that didn't have a wife. So Israel's pondering over what to do now because they didn't find enough virgins over the people who didn't make the vows to give every single Benjamite a woman. So they think up a little plan here, and it includes man stealing or woman stealing in this case. So it says in verse 16, the elders of the congregation say, how shall we provide wives for those who remain since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? So there's no Benjamite women left because they were all killed. And now they're wondering how to supply wives to these Benjamites so that they can have children and continue on the tribe of Benjamin. But instead of changing their minds and changing out of this stupid vow that they made and giving their own daughters to the Benjamites, which is what should have happened, they should have been like, hey, you know, that vow is wrong. God, we shouldn't have done it. We are sorry. And I've talked about that before on the podcast, how vow making, yes, you should keep your vows if you make a vow to God. But if it's a stupid vow, like a very, very dumb vow that causes you to sin or causes you to have to inconvenience another person or something along those lines, it is better to just go to God and be like, hey, I'm really sorry for making that vow. Like, forgive me. I made a promise to you that I can't keep than it is to just keep the vow and either destroy people around you, like incon deeply inconvenience people around you or sin or something along those lines. Those aren't vows God wants you to make. So clearly this was not a good vow. And instead of Israel recanting, they're like, no, we're just going to figure out a different way. So here's what it says in verse 19. Behold, there's a feast of Yahweh from year to year in Shiloh. And a lot of times in these feasts, the women would dance. Okay, so whatever this feast was, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It was a feast of dancing. And so the young women would come out and perform these dances. So the elders of Israel cook up this plan and they're like, hey, Benjamites, you know, you guys that don't have any wives yet, here's what you're going to do. When the young women come out to dance in these dances that they're going to perform next week, you go down there, hide in the bushes and when you see a young woman that you like, you go pick her up and carry her away. And if her dad or brother complains, we will say to them, well, too bad, basically. So that's how we're going to get past this. You just go man steal. And that means because you stole the women, we're not technically breaking our vow because we're not giving them to you as wives. You're taking them. So just go take a wife. You know, take whatever, take whatever wife you like. And so that's how this story ends. <laughs> because Benjamin goes out into the fields. They're waiting behind bushes. They're waiting for the young women to come out and perform these dances. And they go and steal a girl for themselves. So here's what it says in verse 23. The children of Benjamin did so. And took wives for themselves, according to their number, of those who danced, whom they carried off. Then they went and returned to their inheritance, built the cities, and lived in them. Now, when I was researching this, I actually noticed that one of the commentaries I was reading said that it's possible that the women knew about this plan, and the fathers and brothers and whoever else knew about this plan, and told their daughters to go dance in the field so that the Benjamites could come and take the daughters. 
I don't know if that's really what happened or if these poor girls were victims. Personally, I'm kind of leaning more on the latter, that these these poor girls were victims, because this just seems weird, you know? It just seems so strange to go for, like, to force your child or your daughter who you love or you're supposed to love to get kidnapped by somebody. And you don't know the person that is going to be kidnapping your daughter. It just seems weird. And so I'm very much leaning towards this is a cruelty towards these young virgin women. And in general, this entire chapter is just cruelty. And it shows what happens when people let their emotions guide them instead of letting God guide them. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. So we need to be very, very, very careful that we don't fall into the same trap here of letting our emotions be our God. Not just our guide, but our God. Because when we let our emotions guide us, technically we are idolizing our own selves, our own emotions. And that's what Israel was doing here. They were hurting and destroying other people because they felt that that was what they needed to be doing. The Israelites were claiming to worship Yahweh, but doing everything contrary to scripture, going from one extreme to the next. I mentioned on Wednesday of last week that the Israelites were were crying and refusing to finish the job God told them to do. But then on Friday, they go off the deep end and not only do they finish the job God told them to do, but they do something God never told them to do. And then same in this chapter right here. The decisions that we make can't be based off of our emotions. They have to be based off of something greater than our emotions. So what do we do? We make sure we're vigilant to keep Jesus at the center of our lives. We also have to make sure we keep God as our king. Tune in on Wednesday because we'll be in the book of Ruth. And the amazing thing about the book of Ruth is that it takes place smack dab in the middle of Judges. So it's like this little, little story of hope right in the middle of all this destruction of Judges. So it, it really is an amazing book. And we're only going to be spending a few days in it because it's only four chapters long. And then after that, we will be moving into season seven of the podcast. But friends and faithful listeners, I hope to see you on Wednesday, if not tomorrow, for an episode out of the book of Acts. But until we meet again, happy listening and God bless. Bless.